Welcome to ASME TechCast, where we bring you the innovators, the innovations, and the issues that push the envelope of engineering. I'm Carlos Gonzalez, Special Projects Manager at Mechanical Engineering Magazine. And in this episode, we'll be speaking with Alan Hitchcock, longtime editor-in-chief of Hydraulics and Pneumatics Magazine and recent inductee to the International Fluid Power Society 2020 Fluid Power Hall of Fame. On today's podcast, we'll be talking about fluid power technology, how we can define it, how fluid power is used today, and what the future of the industry will look like for engineers. So recently, you wrote a feature spotlight for our mechanical engineering magazine on the state of fluid power. It described what essentially is fluid power, some of the new innovations and the safety tips that one can use in implementing fluid power systems. How would you describe fluid power to an audience unfamiliar with the technology? Fluid power is very much like electrical power as a form of power transmission. Whereas electrical power is concerned with controlling electrons that flow through the wires and cables to go to a motor or solenoid or whatever the type of actuator is, fluid power is similar to that in that it controls the atoms of the fluid that are kind of synonymous with electrons. So by controlling the speed, direction, of these. You can control torque, force, speed, acceleration, direction. You can control the fluid power actuators just like you control the electrons to control electric motors and such. The difference is that now the fluid power by fluid, the fluid can be either a liquid or a gas. When you talk about fluid power, if you're talking hydraulics, you're talking about some sort of liquid as the fluid, which could is usually an oil. And if you're talking pneumatics, then it would be compressed air or some other gas that's actually transmitting the power from throughout the circuit. So could you explain what are the main differences between fluid power systems, hydraulic systems, pneumatic systems, right? Because both of those fall into fluid power. And how does that stack up to, let's say, electrical actuation? The term fluid power was adopted oh, back in the early 60s because people would always talk about the um, technology as either hydraulics technology or pneumatics technology. So the term fluid power does not specifically refer to hydraulic or pneumatic. It usually refers to one or the other or both. When you're talking hydraulics, you're talking strictly about using fluid as your medium for transmitting the power. And when you're talking pneumatics, you're using compressed air or some other gas as your medium. So one of the interesting things that you pointed out in your feature spotlight on fluid power is that it's often an overlooked concept when engineers are in school. Can you explain maybe why that is? Because I'm sure that they learn about maybe fluid systems, but maybe they're not learning about fluid power. Yeah, people take fluid dynamics, which does have to do with the relationship between fluid pressure and sometimes velocity, but it's not really thought of as being a means of transmitting power. You're just looking at how fluids behave under certain pressures and flow through an orifice, things of that sort. And while that is closely related to fluid power, it's more related to the design of components and not actually as a form of power transmission. Whereas when you're taking a class on machine design, you might be going over gear drives, belt drives, chain drives, electric motors, all these things that are used for transmitting motion. For some reason, fluid power being hydraulics and pneumatics is generally not a part of this. So a lot of students come out of college with a degree and they have had almost no exposure to fluid power. And it's also interesting because so many people I've talked to in the industry, when they were getting near graduation, they were recruited by some of the vendors, you know, some of the major manufacturers of 
fluid power components and also the distributors to where they needed somebody to learn about fluid power. So in some ways, they're glad that the people do not have any training or very little training in fluid power. So the vendors will conduct their own schools. And many of these are popular for people outside of the company to take them to where most of the large companies have their own schools to where they will get recent graduates who have a very solid engineering background and teach them a lot of the concepts of what fluid power is and where it's used. And then that's how they get introduced to the technology. So on that point, just kind of as a follow-up question, what are some of like the typical responsibilities for mechanical engineers that work on fluid power systems? I'm assuming designing the system in general, probably some hose installation. Like what are some of the roles a mechanical engineer could fill within a fluid power company? Well, many of them, you know, when you're talking about the structure of a machine, you know, you're talking the bearings and the strength and structure of the machine where you're designing the motion. And once you have the basic machine designed, now you're faced with designing a system that's going to cause the motion that you need, where it's going to move it at a certain speed with a certain torque or force to get whatever task at hand. And so once they've decided to use fluid power, then they'd be starting with actuators to calculate how much force they need out of the actuator to get that done. In the old days, you might have had somebody who that's all they did was the hydraulics work and somebody else did the mechanical work. But nowadays, I think it's like in most areas, they're not just working in hydraulics. They're working in other areas. They're familiar with many types of power transmissions. So they'll be looking at a machine and deciding, well, what's the best way to do this? Sometimes it might be with an electromechanical drive. Some Sometimes it might be better with a hydraulics drive or a pneumatics drive. More often than not, it's going to be using both of them because you could use the electromechanical drive for the benefits it offers and then use others for the benefits they offer. An example might be uh, one that I saw was a coil winding machine for electric motors. When you had a spindle that had to move about 10 inches to get it into position to begin winding the spool, then as more and more wire would get wrapped around the armature, it would have to slowly move away. So you'd use a pneumatic actuator to quickly move it in a fraction of a second from its home position into the position that's like 10 inches away. And then once it takes over, then the electromechanical drive takes over where it's moving just a minute amount every second. You know, we're talking like tens of thousands of an inch or so to where you're using both of them together to where if you'd used purely a gear driven drive, you'd have to sit there and wait, you know, five seconds for it to get into position. Using pneumatics, it's done almost instantly. And then the electrical drive takes over. Is that one of the new trends coming to fluid power, this combination of hydraulic or pneumatic systems along with electrical mechanical systems? Choosing the best for the situation has been done for quite a while now. Many companies offer both solutions to where they really do consider themselves a motion system solution provider to where they can recommend to you which ways you're doing it, where the pneumatic drive or hydraulic drive would be better and where the electromechanical drive would be better and where you're best off to use both of them. The one place where it's really taking off of integrating the two is in mobile equipment. With the advent of the new lithium ion batteries, it's so popular with cars and other types of vehicles, it's now working into hydraulic systems to where instead of the hydraulic system being powered by a gasoline or diesel engine, it's driven by an electric motor, which in turn is powered by the batteries. And there are 
several prototypes that are out there, and there's even a few that are commercially available. So what you're seeing now is, for example, Mack Trucks has a garbage truck in New York City that's working to where an electric motor drives the hydraulic system and also the drive system for the vehicle itself for driving the powertrain. The advantage is it's much quieter because you don't have a diesel engine running. There are zero emissions, and it's a simpler system. So a lot of engineering industries are seeing the Internet of Things and more advanced networking being integrated into their verticals. Is the fluid power industry also experiencing the same sort of integration? Yes, definitely. It's just kind of coming probably a little more slowly. For example, many times when you have cylinder, you have consumable parts on the different actuators and such. For example, on hydraulic cylinders, you have seals that eventually can start to wear out and that could cause leakage. Or you might have seals inside the cylinder, which can affect its motion or how much pressure it can transmit. It could be with filters, how often you've changed filters. Without the IoT, you might have a filter that you change it after so many hundred hours of operation. Or the same with a seal on a cylinder. After so many hours of operation, you change it. The problem with that is you're having to go with an average number. Sometimes you're gonna be changing out a seal or changing a filter or even changing out fluid. And there's nothing wrong with it. It might still have hundreds or thousands of hours left because it's been under light duty. Uh, by the same token, sometimes if, if machine is being used more frequently than what it was anticipated, you could have problems crop up of leakage or part failure because a part has exceeded the recommended interval before maintenance should be conducted. So where the IoT comes in here is, again, you build sensors into the different components, such as a cylinder. You can keep track of not only how many times it, it goes from fully extended to fully retracted, but you could even determine how fast it's been going. You know, So now instead of looking at, okay, it's going to go through 5,000 cycles, you can translate that into so many linear feet of travel to where you know that a seal has to be replaced after 20,000 feet of travel. So that gives a much more accurate rendition of when it should be changed. So that way you save in downtime because you're not going to have parts go exceed their recommended limit and then all of a sudden they fail when you're in the middle of an operation. It can also save the waste because you're not replacing parts before their time has come. My last question, Alan, is more of a curiosity question. What still surprises people today when it comes to fluid power solutions? What really interest them or what really shocks them when we're talking about developing these solutions? I think what people are surprised at is the variety of applications where it's used. And that's because in most cases, the fluid power system is hidden from view. Hydraulics is moving something or pneumatics is moving something, but you don't see that. It's, it's either buried within the machine or else it's somewhere that you can't see it very well. I think they're surprised at all the things that hydraulics can do in recycling equipment. There are the big shredders that will take and shred all sorts of components. They can shred you know, giant tires from earth moving machines. You might drop an entire refrigerator inside there and it rips everything apart. It's like nothing will stop these machines. The same with mining machines, where there's just huge machines that can lift up bucket full to where you might have a, it would be enough to fit a couple pickup trucks in it. So the, the power of that is something that's pretty awesome to see, but also the delicate areas where it has to work in, for example, in automotive plants, they would use hydraulic presses for forming engineered plastic body panels. You have to press with a certain amount of force to, to get just the right amount of squeeze on there. If you squeeze it too hard, 
the body panel is going to be too thin and it's a reject. If you don't squeeze it hard enough, you're going to have voids in there and that's, it becomes a rejected part. So the hydraulics is used where it can generate tons of tons and tons of force for pressing, but do it with such precision that you get it to where you just need it. And also, I think they're surprised it's still being used in aircraft. It's used in spacecraft. Again, you don't necessarily have to use oil for the hydraulics or in some of the spacecraft because they have to be as versatile as they can. Well, Alan, thank you so much. Thank you for your insight. Okay, thank you for the opportunity. For ASME TechCast, I'm Carlos Gonzalez. Thank you for listening. You can find our other episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor, or your favorite podcast platform.